Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Hi everyone, glad you're here. We're finishing up our work in Beauty as a State of Being, Dr. Solomon Katz's book. And the first two-thirds of the book, if you'll remember, especially those of you, of course, who were here, we talked a lot about our thinking processes. And so the first uh, good part of the book uh, has to do with how we think, and in particular, some of the thought processes that we do that actually get in our way that cause us a lot of misery. The book is written from a Buddhist perspective, and as you know, the Buddhists believe that a lot of our misery is brought upon uh, by our own thinking processes. And in particular, weeks one and two, we talked about what some of those processes were and, and what we might do about it. Uh, the, the last third of the book, though, specifically talks about how we can get closer to God, how we can begin seeing more of the divine in our daily lives, how we can become uh, more of our um, higher wisdom self, uh, feel that connection to our higher power, if you will. And, uh, and it does it through, basically through philosophy. And so today... Uh, I want to try something a little different on you. Uh, you know, we say in the science of mind that we're both a philosophy, uh, a spiritual path, and a way of life, and we almost exclusively always talk about those second two. Today I want to do something a little different and talk about science of mind as a philosophy. There's actually a fancy word for it, and maybe you have not even heard it before, but uh, our way of thinking, our philosophy is called panentheism. So not pantheism, that's a little different, panentheism. And let me uh, read to you from the Wikipedia here, so you'll, uh, you'll, you'll have the full lowdown on what that means. Panentheism means it's the belief that the divine pervades and interpenetrates every part of the universe and even extends beyond our comprehension of time and space. So let, let me read that one more time. Panentheism is the belief that the divine pervades and interpenetrates every part of the universe and also extends beyond time and space as we know it. So when we in Science of Mind talk about God as being everywhere and everything, well, doesn't that make sense then? Because God is everything. There isn't anything that you can name or think of or imagine that isn't part of the divine. And I would say that that has a a fundamental reason in how we approach the divine then. If we want to get closer to God, I have some good news for you. You don't have to go anywhere special. You don't have to do anything special. If God is that imminent force, that imminent consciousness, then wherever you are, God is. Whatever you're thinking is actually a subset of God's thoughts and God's consciousness. And it has uh, really ramifications in a lot of what we do in the science of mind. Uh, take, for instance, the idea of prayer. In some religions, you have the idea, or you might imagine, that God is some distant figure on a cloud somewhere, or on a golden throne, or in some realm far removed from the planet. And so often then, the, the, those kinds of prayers are about catching God's attention, about making promises around uh, some kind of back and forth of I'll be good and, and you help me out kind of thing. And, and when God is right, where you are, 
you don't have to worry about being heard. It's not a, it, it's, it's not a back and forth. It's a, it's a lovely kind of dialogue, if you will. So that's a, one thing that's fundamentally different. Another thing that you might think of as being different is the, the whole approach of doingness versus beingness. We're not somehow judged. You know, that old idea of God that certainly was with me when I was a child was that, uh, well, and sadly, it was usually pictured as a white guy, right? Um, But that picture of kind of judgment, right? Uh, uh, Have you been naughty or nice kind of of approach to philosophy. And, And of course, once we throw that idea out too, the only judgments that exist are those that we humans have for one another, the only uh, um, uh, punishments, are you will, are the ones that we really put on ourselves or that society puts on us. There isn't that judging figure in the sky. So, so a little different from that perspective as well. Um, one other piece of our philosophy that's really different, but I think I need to introduce it um, with a joke. So the French existentialist Jean-Paul Sartre was sitting in a cafe when a a waitress approached him. Can I get you something to drink, Monsieur Sartre? Sartre replied, yes, I'd like a cup of coffee with sugar, but no cream, please. Nodding agreement, the waitress walks off to fill the order and Sartre returned to his work. A few minutes later, however, the waitress returned with a look of regret. She said, I'm so sorry, Monsieur, we're all out of cream. How about a cup of coffee with no milk? <laughs> I can never tell whether people get it or just hate it. <laughs> the reason, though, that actually that joke is sort of important is sometimes the philosophy is just as important about what it doesn't believe in as what it does believe in. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that in science of mind we don't believe in. We don't particularly believe in any kind of a hell or devil, right? If we say that God is all there is, if God is the entire universe interpenetrating everything, as the, uh, as the description from the Wikipedia says, where would we fit in hell? Where would we fit in some uh, obscure devil figure, Right? There is only God in our belief. So one of the things I think that's really important if people ask you about the science of mind is we don't believe in that figure of the devil. We don't believe in uh, some punishing place that one would go when one passes on. And that brings up the whole idea too of the afterlife. We don't specify what happens next. We haven't experienced it. And so we don't make any claim as to what's going to happen uh, when we pass on from this life. We do believe in eternal life. We, we recognize that energy is never dispersed. We recognize that there is a, a life force, a kind of soul in us, if you, if you will. And we believe that that was there before we were born. And we believe that that persists after we die. But as far as the form goes, don't know about that. Isn't it interesting how some religions uh, define themselves maybe on what we leave open to you to believe in your own heart and what works for you? So I wanted to to share those couple of ideas for you. Um, The other thing that I want to talk about today then is the idea of getting closer to God. And now that we have some ground rules about what we believe God to be, that gets easier. 
Because I want to tell you, getting closer to a God that's distant and judging might be different than getting closer to a God that is imminent, that's right here with us and as us. Does that make sense? Because if we want to get closer to God in what we believe, part of it is as easy, well, as easy and as hard as getting closer to ourselves, as really understanding our own divinity, our own beliefs, our, our own situation, both uh, spiritually and physically. To exclude ourselves from the picture of God would be making a big mistake. And so part of getting closer to God is that self-examined life, is that willingness to go within and understand what we believe, uh, how we want to show up, how we want to treat other people, how we want to be treated, and so on and so forth. That is also part of our spiritual nature and how to get closer to God. I think you deserve a second joke today, a, be, a, a better one, hopefully a better one. Um, so, Saint, uh, is it Saint Peter at the Golden Gates? Have I got the have have I got the the right uh, the right Saint? Oh, Golden Gate is San Francisco. Pearly Gates, that's it. All right. So anyway, you can see how well I know my saints, right? Uh, I'll apologize ahead of time. So, uh, uh, so uh, the, the pearly gates, however, you know, this is a full-time job. If you think about it, someone can pass on at any time during the day or night, and, uh, and St. Peter eventually gets tired. And so he has to figure out a way that the pearly gates can be kind of self-serve. So, so that when he needs a vacation or whether he needs even just a bathroom break, when, when people pass on and, and come up to the pearly gates, they can kind of help themselves. And so he decides, well, I should trust people. Why would someone lie or, or misrepresent themselves at this time in their spiritual juncture? So he tries just having two signs, one that says heaven and one that says hell. And this works pretty good until the science of mind person passes on and comes up before the pearly gates. What he's discovering is there's a, a backlog because the science of mind person comes up and says, heaven or hell? I don't really believe in either of those. And so it just cues up. St. Peter, though, is pretty smart. Figured it out. Added a third sign that takes care of the science of mind people. It simply is a sign pointing off that says, elect about heaven and hell. <laughs> See, that was better, wasn't it? <laughs> the reason I bring that up is that cats in Beauty as a State of Being talks about two different ways that we can get closer to God. And one of them is that way. One is the objective way of learning truth, the objective way of getting closer to God. And that has to do actually with almost a scientific approach, if you will. And in the science of mind, we, we do this around our Sunday experience. We come and listen to someone talk about spirituality and about God. We do it through our classes, right? You might, uh, you might do it at home when you read the Daily Word or the affirmations that are in the Science of Mind magazine. Uh, some people read scripture and other ways of information 
that comes to us. Now that's an objective way of learning something where you can read it, you can understand it, you can make sense of it. In fact, in Science of Mind, we've created a whole uh, explanation of spiritual principles even, right? That's the science part of Science of Mind is where we talk about the um, law of attraction, we talk about the divine creative process, we explain that it works for everyone in a very rigorous and scientific way. If you have positive thinking, you'll have positive results results in your life, very easy, logically even, to get your head around. Well, that's one way of getting closer to God. But you know what? Us Westerners don't do such a good job of the other way of learning things and get closer to God, and that is the subjective method. That is where you actually become part of the process. You don't just study the process, right? So, so a good science of my person would have still gone up to those pearly gates and said, well, I'm not quite satisfied just with a lecture about heaven or hell. I want to actually experience heaven on earth. And that's where the subjective form of inquiry comes in. That's where we find ourselves in meditation, in contemplation, that's where we make ourselves be the focus of divinity so that we begin to understand our relationship from God, not by studying it from a distance, not by school book learning, but rather being in spiritual practice with the divine. So notice the difference here. And any of you who have uh, experienced a little of some of the Eastern traditions where uh, yoga is a, a, a big part of spirituality or where meditation is a primary form of spirituality, you'll notice that other traditions lean more heavily on the subjective form rather than the objective form. I'm going to lay my homework plans out for you uh, out on the table early this time because I want you to be thinking about it while we do a little more dialogue here. Your homework for this week is to see if you have a good balance in your spiritual life between the objective way of getting closer to God and the subjective way. And so I want you, uh, just for your, own, uh, for your own satisfaction, if you will, to see, are you in balance? Are you both learning about God and experiencing God as part of your spiritual practice? So uh, just some examples of each category in the objective form of learning and getting closer to God. Uh, you might be reading the Science of Mind magazine. You might be a class that we'll have uh, this summer. Uh, you might be um, doing other things to learn about your own, the way your brain works and, and, and around spirituality in general. On the subjective side of things, it would be where you're actually in communication with the divine as you understand it. So it might be meditation, it might be visioning, it might be contemplation, it might be uh, being fully present. You'll remember last week we talked a whole lot about the idea of being in the present week, not being concerned with what's going to happen in the future, but being as best you can in the fully, in as fully as possible. Now that is one of the ways also of being in the subjective form of learning. When you are fully engaged in whatever you are doing, you're right where God is. You can't not be immersed 
in that form of God, when you're fully present, it's only when our mind begins wandering off to the future or the past that we, we lose sight of that. So, uh, so for example, this summer, I know a lot of us, uh, well, in fact, the, once, one year the board of directors said, you know, Larry, I'm a little worried because in the summer attendance always drops off. And I smiled and said, you don't need to worry. They're just going to the other church. And they kind of looked at me and I went, you know, the church of outside. <laughs> because what I recognize here with six or eight months of our gloominess uh, is that when the weather is nice, we want to experience God out in nature. And that's absolutely a viable, subjective way when you're fully present. So when you're out on the hiking trail, when you are really hiking, that's being in church, man. Now, contrast that a little bit, though, towards power walking, where your mind is racing ahead to what you're going to do later in the day. You're doing it for the purpose of exercise. You might be thinking about the fight you had with your, with your boss uh, three weeks earlier. Do you see the difference? Now, on the outside, it might look exactly the same, right? I'm walking in Forest Park. But very different. One of them, you're using the walking and your head's still spinning, still not fully present. The other, you're fully engaged in nature, in God itself on your walk. So my suggestion for this summer, and, and you can figure this into future homework if you want, uh, but my suggestion is uh, let us use the technique of being fully present in whatever activities you're engaged as, as one of our subjective ways of approaching God, of getting closer to that higher power. So whether it's mindful eating, whether it's mindful walking, whether it's being fully present when you're out on the, uh, the river on your boat, whether it's working in your yard, do a little mindful weeding and deadheading of roses, do you got me? Almost any activity, when we bring ourselves to it fully, we're engaging in that subjective study of God itself. Okay. So if objective study is that book learning, is that ability to figure things out, then subjective learning and subjective approach to God is truly putting you as the experiment really having you be a part of the process, not observing the process, not going to the, the lecture about heaven or hell, but really being willing to experience heaven on earth, if you will, in your daily activities. So today I'm going to close uh, with something that is part of our subjective learning, if you will, the back part of the book has a lovely little meditation in it that I'd like to share with you. So I invite you, if you will, uh, close your eyes, and we will experiment a little bit, being that uh, subjective encounter with God. It's called the fragrance of God. Imagine that you're walking along a street in town, or perhaps along a path through a field or forest. You're far away from the ways of women and men, and you catch a scent in the air. There's a simple fragrance which is unexpected, but strong, sweet, and delicious. It might be something like lilac, or honeysuckle, or a beach plum in bloom. 
And you, you wish to discover the scent, to find its source in the flower. So you follow in the direction of the fragrance and it becomes stronger, sweeter, more delicious. Searching through the interwoven greenery, sensing, sensing from the deepened yourself getting close. Finally, you find the flower. You lift up a sprig and inhale deeply. The scent is sweet, intoxicating. Your head nearly swoons with delight. The world is the fragrance of God. The world is the fragrance of God. The world wafts into space from its source in the divine. Trusting the guidance that leaves you, trace the fragrance of the world to its source. Go in the direction where reality grows stronger, allowing yourself to become intoxicated with your own life as you go. As you inhale more of the deepening fragrance of your personal reality, know that the fragrance always expresses the divine character of the source from which it always emanates. The world is the fragrance of God. Let us pray. There is one heart, one life, one joy, one peace. There is only this one thing. I choose to call it God, but I know throughout the human history it has come and gone by so many various names. The one Mohammed, the divine feminine, so many names for the one thing, the one power, and the one presence. It interpermeates everything. It is that, uh, that sense of being part of something larger than yourself. It is that knowingness that God extends and is everywhere because it is everything. As I know this to be true for myself, I know it's true for everyone. Everyone on this planet is part of the divine. Everyone's consciousness on this planet is part of the divine consciousness of God itself. Each one of us separate only as an illusion. Each of us separate only through our own thinking, but not in fact. In fact, we are unified. In fact, each of us part of the divine, indivisible, interpenetrated by that divine force. And so on this day, I claim a willingness in each one of us to begin seeing our lives more that way. A willingness among each one of us to begin uh, putting our attention and our thoughts towards that unity, towards that, that divine closeness that we share with one another and that we share with our higher power. And so perhaps we begin a, 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 new, a, a new enlivened spiritual practice where we take both the subjective and objective ways of getting closer to God, both through study, both through coming to church, uh, but also through meditation, also through uh, thoughtful walking, also uh, through meaningfully being in the present moment. This truly is how we approach God. Inwardly, outwardly, this truly is 
our spiritual nature. And so for this, I give great thanks. For this, I recognize in each one of us the divine. I release this prayer into the activity, into that action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.